Down South by Oliver Optic Chapter 14 The Excursion to Fort George Island This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Stephen Simmons Fort George Island is certainly a beautiful place for a summer or a winter residence, or for both. It is three and a half miles long, not including the sandbar at the end, and a mile wide. On one side is the ocean, and on the other the Sisters Channel, one of the inside passages by which steamers reach Savannah and Fernandina. Owen told me the party would sail for Jacksonville at four o'clock and dine as soon as the steamer was under way. All the excursionists landed, and leaving Washburn in charge, I went with them. Cornwood began to discharge his duties as guide as soon as we were on shore, but a considerable portion of the party were familiar with the island, and he did not have a large audience. This shell road, said he, as we left the wharf, is the beginning of Edgewood Avenue, which is two miles and a half long. At the further end, it is the hotel. He continued his explanations to those who desired to hear them during the entire walk. I shall not repeat them. I found that he could give the name of every tree, plant, and flower we saw on the way. He had a name for every bird, bug, and worm, and I am ready to acknowledge that the extent, variety, and minuteness of his knowledge astonished me, partly because my prejudice led me to expect nothing of him. That those who brag most no least did not appear to prove true in his case, for he did not have to give it up on any question asked him by the tourist of our party. He related the history of the island, and there was not a single particular concerning on it which he was not fully informed. After crossing the beach on the Shell Road, we came to the forest of live oaks, magnolias, palmettos, bay trees, and others that one never sees in Maine or Michigan. I walked with Mr. Tiffany, and we agreed that this was one of the most delightful places we had visited. Pretty soon we were joined by Miss Margie and Miss Edith, who had become inseparable friends and companions. I learned that the Tiffany's had already accepted the invitation of Owen and Colonel Shepard to join the party for the upriver trip. "'Are there no snakes on this island, Captain Garningham?' asked Miss Margie, soon after we entered the wood. "'I dare say there are, but I don't know anything about it,' I replied. Undoubtedly, there are snakes on the island, interposed Mr. Cornwood, and I saw that he glanced at me with a smile, as if in allusion to my experience on the evening before. I am very much afraid of snakes, said Miss Margie, looking timidly about her. But the snakes are more afraid of you than you are of them, Miss Tiffany, replied Cornwood. Even the rattlesnake will keep out of your way if he can. And I should surely keep out of his way. Are there rattlesnakes on this island? asked the timid English maiden. 
I'm sorry to say there are, but you might live on the island ten years and never see one. When you walk, you will naturally keep in the paths cut through the woods. Rattlesnakes will not visit these localities, but the rattlesnake is a very gentlemanly fellow, and if by any chance one should stray into a path, he would give you abundant warning before he did you any harm. I don't wish to see one, replied Miss Margie with a shudder. You may be sure you will not meet any in the paths we take today, added the guide in a comforting tone. But I would rather meet a dozen of them than step upon a copperhead or a water moccasin. These will run away when they see you, if they can. The water moccasin will not trouble you if you let him alone. The only danger from any Florida snake is in coming upon him when you don't see him. That is just what I am afraid of, said Miss Margie. This island has been settled so long that there can be few snakes of the harmful kind left on it, for whites and blacks always kill them at sight. After a very pleasant walk, we reached the hotel, where a lunch was ready for us. To me, the principal feature of this lunch was the broiled shad. The fish just taken from the water, it was the freshest and best I had ever eaten. The oysters in the chowder were small, but had been taken from the waters that morning. After lunch, the excursionists broke up into little parties, and each went where they were best pleased to go. I felt rather inclined to go where Miss Margie went, for I had found that she was as agreeable as she was pretty. Owen and the shepherds went to the Palmetta Avenue, which leads to an ancient homestead affording a fair specimen of the planter's home in days gone by. Mr. Tiffany and his daughter wished to ascend Mount Cornelia, to which there was a carriage road all the way from the hotel to the summit. This hill has an elevation of 95 feet, the highest point on the coast from Navesink and Cuba. Mr. Cornwood accompanied us, for, in spite of the warning Mr. Tiffany had given me, he was the guide's most attentive listener. On the summit of the hill we found an observatory, which we occupied for a full hour. It commanded a fine view of the ocean, the inland channels, and the country beyond them. Before we left, Owen and the shepherds joined us. "'Have you seen any snakes, Margie?' asked Edith, when we were seated at the top of the observatory. I have not seen one, indeed. I have not thought of the snake since Mr. Cornwood assured me we should see none, replied Miss Margie. I rather like snakes, and I hoped I should see some, added Miss Edith, very bravely. I think I could find some for you, Miss Edith, interposed Cornwood. No, I thank you. I don't care to go snaking. When I see one, I wish to have it without any effort on my part, replied the beautiful girl. This is a nice way of getting out of it, added Miss Margie. I believe I should faint away if I came upon me without any effort on my part. You will be likely to see some on your trip up the river if you go on shore. 
the largest moccasin i ever saw i killed within the limits of the city of jacksonville it was on the way to moncrief spring are you fond of alligators asked mr cornwood who also seemed to regard the english girl with much favor i never saw one in my life answered miss margie we don't have any such creatures in england but i have seen pictures of the crocodile which i dare say is the same thing they are certainly the same sort of reptile though a crocodile is not an alligator any more than an alligator is a crocodile they differ in the shape of the head the lower canine teeth of the crocodile fit into notches between the teeth of the upper jaw while the alligator's lower teeth fit into cavities in the upper jaw the alligator has a broader and shorter head than the crocodile the caiman found in the east indies and in tropical south america is different in some respects from either but we have both crocodiles and alligators in more southern of the united states i'm sure i don't care whether they are crocodiles or alligators they are ugly-looking beasts and i don't want to see any of them replied miss margie mr cornwood had evidently studied up on alligators and i was quite interested in his comparison of the different reptiles for i had supposed they were all alike you can't very well help seeing them when you go up the river for some of the streams we shall doubtless explore are full of them added the floridian are you not afraid of them i don't think i ever saw anybody who was afraid of an alligator they are too common here to alarm any person but i am surprised that you did not see any alligators in jacksonville for thousands of little ones are kept for sale at the curiosity stores and larger ones are kept for exhibition i didn't see any of them are they not dangerous we do not consider them so in the earlier days of the state when alligators eighteen feet in length were occasionally found they may have attacked men when they caught them in the water on land they are rather sluggish but they are right smart in the water the largest ones we are likely to see will not be over twelve feet long and you will find ten little ones to one of these size none of them will meddle even with a child though if you should lie in the edge of a boat with a hand or a foot in the water and went to sleep they might snap at it ugh gasped the pretty maiden with a shudder you will be so much accustomed to them in a week after we start up the river that you will not mind them more than you do the flies and not half as much as you do the mosquitoes added mr cornwood are there many mosquitoes where we are going mr cornwood asked mr tiffany not many this time of the year though we may fall into localities where they are very plenty i shall take the liberty to suggest to captain garningham to have a quantity of mosquito netting on board to provide against these pests replied the floridian glancing from the englishman to me 
I will tell the steward to see that the beds and berths are properly protected, I added, glad to have the suggestion in season to save the passengers from annoyance. Owen and Miss Edith had not paid any attention to Mr. Cornwood's lessons in natural history. Both of them had evidently voted the Floridian a bore. My cousin thought it was time to return to the hotel where the band was playing for the benefit of the people. All the party had collected there, and we soon started for the steamer. The band went ahead and played a march, and we kept step to the music. I found that Mr. Cornwood had again attached himself to Miss Margie, to the plain annoyance of that lady's father. I called him away, and dropping to the rear of the procession, I questioned him in regard to the trip up the river. He clearly understood my object in asking these questions at this time, and his answers were crusty and his manner sulky. I persisted in torturing him till we reached the steamer, though I sacrificed my own pleasure in doing it for Miss Margie's benefit. It was just four by the clock in the pilot house when the Sylvania sailed on her return. The dinner was served in the cabin, and Gopher had done his best, as usual. At six, Cornwood made a very good landing at the market wharf, and our guests departed immediately. I had to thank Washburn for doing one half of the handshaking when they stepped ashore. Cornwood thought he would remain in the city, but I told him I wanted him on board. The mate did not go to the anchorage in the steamer, but stayed ashore. End of chapter 14